back, just like I guess we have to be back. This is For the Glory KC, where we bring you a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, Associate Editor at KCSoccerJournal.com, who's going to take you a bit more in-depth. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, Sheena, who gives that more casual perspective. Sheena, what's up? Hey, Chad. How are you? I'm depressed. How are you? You know what? I'm depressed, but I'm not Right now, tonight, I made a lamb cake, and every time I think about this cake, I can't stop laughing. Like, I don't know if anyone's seen the show Nailed It, but I made a cake that I definitely failed at, and just every time I think about the cake, I start laughing. It looks like if lambs had a drug problem or something. That's a good way to put it. What's (laughs) even better is that this is like a tradition in Sheena's family that they make these on Easter and we're recording on Sunday and her cousin made a really, really good looking one. And so I was like, you got to reply with the picture of yours to hers on whatever social media that was. That was Facebook. But yeah, uh, I think her and I are the only ones that make them. But I'm going to say I think she has my grandma's mold cake and I have one that I got off like Amazon. So maybe that's the difference maker. Oh, you think it's the mold that has nothing to do with your amazing baking slash cooking abilities? Yeah, she did give me tips for next year on how to make it look better with the frosting. So we'll give that a whirl next year and see if that helps. But I'm 0 for 2 on this uh, lamb cake biz. All right. Well, on today's show, and not that you all don't want to hear about lambs, you might prefer (laughs) that over Kansas City soccer, but on today's show, we're going to talk about supporting Kansas City's freaking brutal loss to the Colorado Rapids. We're going to take some mailbag questions. We actually got more questions than ever. I think it was like 22 questions or something wild. So we can't do all those, but a lot of them had the same kind of themes. We're going to talk about the U.S. Open Cup. There is some news that came out on that last week. And of course, the digital crawl. But let's just get right to it. We've already done a little bit of nonsense, so it's time to to get to the show. Sporting Kansas City on Saturday night, seventh game of the season, scored zero goals, gave up another goal. They are now seven games without winning a match. They have fallen to dead last in all of Major League Soccer. Actually, I was told that uh, Montreal might be below them in the standings in the East, but they're definitely dead last in the West because Colorado was dead last coming into the game. So, woof. Just... Initial thoughts, reactions, Sheena, where do you want to start? Oh, gosh. Well, I don't really want to relive the depression of last night, but since we are recording a podcast, I will. I think there was a couple different things. First of all, I had a question. How many games has it been since somebody on our team scored? Has it been like five? Three? Uh, no, it's only been uh, two, right? Because it was the Seattle game. We scored first in the Seattle game. Uh, oh. Willie Agata scored that goal off the okay. Shallowy's initial shot that was rebounded. Then it was 0-0 in Philly and then 0-1 against Colorado. So, it, hey, only two weeks ago, it feels like an eternity. but It really does. You know, the common theme I see with each of these games is that, well, for one, the offense has no confidence whatsoever And I feel like you have to kind of take Johnny Russell and Polito out of that because they're just getting back onto the field. But everybody else, Agata, Shallowy, Tommy, Shelton, Tommy, Tommy, especially like no picking on Kyrie today. He didn't play. It's not his fault this week. No, I know. I'm not blaming him at all, but I'm just saying in previous games, you know, he's just somebody else who has been playing. They see, they definitely lack confidence. But then the other part that I notice is that they, 
struggle passing the ball to each other. Like they are passing to the opponents a lot of the game. And so when you're doing that through half of the game, like it just presents itself that you can't uh, that you can't score. You know, the confidence thing, I think, is a good point. And I think confidence maybe is leading to some of these errant passes because we talked to Eric Tommy in the locker room after the game and he was asked about his confidence, right? Because he in particular, above a lot of players, seems to me to be lacking confidence. He's just frozen in that decision-making moment where should I pass, should I shoot? And then whatever it was, he takes too long to make the decision and then neither thing comes off. Like it turns into a turnover or he shoots into a wall or, you know, just like a, a weak shot on goal. If it gets to goal, I think he led the team in shots again yesterday, but it wasn't like any of them were high quality. Their expected goals was less than a goal. I think it was 0.8 for the whole game. Colorado's was lower, by the way, even though they scored in one. But uh, yeah, it's it confidence is definitely an issue. And we were talking to him about it and he was kind of saying, you know, it's hard not to you know, have a lack of confidence whenever it's going this bad right now. But they, you know, talking about how they're going to work on different things to fix it. He's like, if y'all could see us in practice, which some of the people standing in that little media scrum do see them in practice. He said, you know, they're, they're playing really well. They're knocking in all the goals. And then somebody quipped to me, maybe it was you actually afterwards. Well, they're scoring in practice a ton because they're playing against themselves. (laughs) That was me who said that. And you know, here's the thing that I found surprising about the game was after the game ended, um, the, the Apple TV broadcast put up the stats for both teams and they dominated sporting dominated Colorado. But really what it came down to is they just didn't have a goal. And as I predicted, Diego Rubio would have a goal. And that was, I, Chad was just listening back before we started recording to the podcast. And I thought I had last night I was saying I predicted they were going to lose, but I said they were going to draw it turned out. But I did say I predicted a win that worked out really well, huh? (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, what's interesting is every week I put a poll out on Instagram of who you think is going to win. And nobody ever says sporting's going to lose until after the game has ended and they've lost. Then I get a few people going in and saying they're going to lose. So everybody, it's crazy because everybody is frustrated. But come game day, everybody feels confident they're going to win. Well, at least like the people who are voting on Instagram or they're saying it's going to be a drop. But I never really ever have people say it's going to be a loss. Tens of people. Tens of people. Well, you know what? Those tens of people, I appreciate (laughs) you. Me too. Me too. I'm not trying to pick on them. We want more participation on the Instagram at For the Glory Casey on Instagram. There you go. I think it's just like frustrating because, well, I said I called that Diego Rubio was going to score. And I said in order for us to win, that would mean we'd have to have even more goals than at least the one he was going to score. And we just haven't had more than one all season. We've barely had one. I think we've only had one in two different games. So it, it's a huge problem. And I just, you know, I, I know this is part of the, the questions the viewers wrote in about or the listeners. Um, but it's like, what is the solution? Because everybody seems to think the solution is firing Peter Vermees. And I don't know, it feels like, you know, he he's part of the problem, but the players aren't playing to their abilities. So that's a whole nother issue. He yeah. can't go out there and play for them. Although I bet if that is my could, favorite line. Yeah, he, he, he might be able to. He used to be a striker back in the day. 
But I think if he could go out there and play, I think he would do it. Like he likes having that power and that control, but I don't think he can. How great would it be if like in baseball where the baseball player, the manager has to wear like the jersey and the the pants and all that stuff. If Vermees had to dress in sporting attire on the sideline <laughs> and he could just like sub himself into the game because <laughs> then he could then he could just be mad at himself for the players he hired, the, the way he played and, you know, the tactics he set up. So we'll get to Peter more a little bit later, but let's get to to some stats from the game. You said Sporting dominated. They had 18 shots to just eight from the Rapids. Uh, only two on target for both teams, though. So that's a problem. You have to put your shots in the frame of the goal for them to go into the net unless, you know, you get a lucky deflection or own goal, something like that. Sporting KC had 10 shots that were blocked and six that were off target. So it sounds bad when you only have 18, but 10 blocks. I think that goes back to what I was saying before about the indecisiveness. You wait too long. It allows the defender defender to close you down. And then you, the lane isn't there. There's nowhere to shoot. The The opening has gone away. You know, I said to, I was sitting next to Jimmy Mack up in the uh, press box during the game. And he's another writer on KC soccer journal. Go check us out. And, um, I was saying to him, you know what my favorite play from the first half was this little moment. Not my favorite. That's a bad way to word it. Tommy, he's driving up the field and he just quickly makes a decision to pass the ball to Plato. It didn't come off like it got kind of deflected or it bounced around and then it ended up going the other way. But I was like, that's what they need to do. Just make a decision quickly and go with it, whether it's shoot, whether it's pass just stop hesitating because I can't tell you how many times and Sheena can attest to this when we're at home where I'm like faster, faster. They just need to play faster. They're spending too much time. They're going too slowly. They're allowing Colorado to get set defensively or, you know, every team they've played this year to get set defensively. And they're making a a bad team like Colorado look pretty good. Colorado has a decent defense to their credit. They had a miserable first game, but then they've been pretty solid since then. They, uh, to the Sounders, by the way, 4 nothing loss. So we know all about that. Yeah, I mean, they Abubakar, is that his name, on Colorado defense? Like, Yeah, he, Lawless Abubakar, yeah. Yeah, he was everywhere when we had the ball in the box. Like, he was heading everything. So... I that has to also attribute to why we couldn't score is he was just knocking them out left and right. And when he wasn't, the goalie was. So, I mean, they had a very stout defense. So props to them. I think at one point I tweeted, like, if they could just move just over slightly so we could get a goal, like that would have been great. But I mean, they were doing what they needed to do. So, I mean, props to them for their defense. They, They look good. I don't Real outside of Rubio's goal, it wasn't like they looked on offense that great or anything. Just that goal in general was just kind of a a weird series of events too, because we had been dominating the ball, and then it's just suddenly Rubio had it, and it kind of felt like Tamilia was just kind of not ready for it. I think you were trying to justify it to me that he was trying to block somebody else. I don't. Yeah, I think he. Well, actually, let's break down that goal sequence. So that goal sequence is actually kind of an epitome of sporting Kansas City season, frankly. So it starts off with Colorado getting a goal kick, a goal kick they shouldn't have gotten, by the way. They got it from uh, Felipe Hernandez had shot the ball and it had deflected off the back of a Colorado player and went off the side of the net. And I cannot believe the ref couldn't see it. It was clear as day. And if he couldn't see it, his assistant referee should have been able to see it. I digress. Colorado takes the goal kick. They kick it in a pass or two later. They pass it to Shallowy inside Colorado's box. And he either needs to shoot quickly 
or pass to Agata immediately, who is wide open in the middle of the box, but he takes an extra touch. Then he passes to Agata, whose touch is heavy, and the ball bounces away from him. And eventually they don't get a shot off at all. The ball kind of falls to Remy. Remy plays it out to Tommy. Tommy moves up the left side of the field and then crosses it in. It's deflected. And then it's cleared. Uh, Danny Wilson, I think, heads it out. And then Darren Darren Yappy, I don't know if that's his name, Yappy, uh, he does like a bicycle kick clearance and he sends it way up the field to who? Diego Rubio, where Remy has, to his credit, ran back to recover after he was just on the edge of the box just moments earlier. He runs back to recover, and then we all know what happened from there because we're all pretty in tune with it. Remy, you know, tries to kind of fight for position, but Rubio just lets him kind of lean into air, and he falls down. Rubio goes around him. Then it's just a comic failure because Rosero's not back yet because he had charged the ball up during the middle of that sequence when the ball had been cycled out. And then, yeah, I left out that Rosero part. <laughs> so he's still up the field. Only people back are Robert Castellanos and Melia. And then Volater's trying to recover on the other side of the field because he had been up. You know, when you when you turn the ball over off a goal kick or a corner kick or a clearance, oftentimes you have way too many players up the field. And then I don't even exactly know what happened on the goal itself because Castellanos gets pulled to the side by a Michael Barrios run. I think Melia's trying to shade across to cover the wide part, but you got to cover the near post first. And Rubio just slots it between the defender who had been there and moved out of the way and that open space. So I think obviously plenty of blame to go around for everyone. We're big Remy stands on here. He did make a bad play on that play, but overall all year, has he made any play that was even remotely close to that? No, I'm not going to crucify the guy for, for one bad play and plenty of other people could have bailed him out on that play too. So I wonder like would pools camp have handled that better because pool camp had been dealing with some of those breakaway plays all year before he kind of lost his starting job last week to Amelia. And, he run out and charge down and close some of these plays off. And Tim, he's been known to do that in the past, but I, you know, as you get older, maybe you're a little slower. Maybe you're, you're hoping your defenders are going to help, or they're trying to stall and wait for more defenders to get back. But Colorado had so much pace. Like it felt like they could have scored a few more goals later on if they weren't so terrible because they just kept sending the ball long and letting their speedy little wingers run down there and try to get it. But luckily Cabral and Barrios are kind of terrible players. So they didn't really do anything with it, but Rubio came back to get him. That was a lot of me talking. What did you see on the goal? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because at some point in the game, and I don't remember if this was before the goal or after the goal, but I thought Milia might be hurt. So if he, like he had fought, maybe him and somebody collided I don't remember, but he was slow to get up. I do remember this. Yeah. And he was kind of like hobbling around for a bit after that. So I don't know if that happened before the goal, because if it did, maybe that explains why he couldn't get to the ball like in a quicker manner than like if John Poolskamp had been out there, which again, I, I liked Amelia. I I think he's playing fine, but I just feel like Poolskamp is the future in I don't know. I'd rather, you're right. I think he's better at that. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it was a, a good goal by Rubio and I love to hate him. Like I, I was saying on Twitter and I told you when you get home, when you got home from the game last night, like I'd still rather have Rubio. Maybe he's not as good as uh, Polito, but I don't know. I, I like him. Yeah. I'm, I was always a Rubio fan. I kind of hate him now because he always kills sporting and he does flop yeah. a little bit to his credit. I didn't really see him flopping at all last night. He so didn't, no. yeah, there was nothing like that. But in the past he's been kind of, even when he was on sporting, he was a bit of a 
flopper. So that kind of like Latif, that would wear me down a little bit when they would do stuff like that. But I did write this article at the time because if y'all will remember, uh, Rubio was traded away and Kellen Rowe was basically the return that Sporting ended up getting in this roundabout three-team trade. They might have got some money too. I'm not remembering off the top of my head, but I wrote this like, 13 reasons why this doesn't make sense or some nonsense like that because I was like pretty annoyed like I'm usually pretty happy with Peter Vermees trades in general I think he gets the better of teams on trades that was not a time where I thought he got the better of a team and you know he's still starting on Colorado all these years later so the guy has something right now I wanted to switch gears though. I want to talk about this uh, passing chart Actually, I don't know if you saw I put it into the rundown here so MLSsoccer.com they do these passing maps And it shows like the average position of every player on the field. And then it shows these lines between all the players in terms of like how often are they connecting passes to one another. And there'll be really thin lines if they have, you know, few passes and then thicker lines, the more they pass from one another. So first off, shout out to Robert Castellanos, who I had said last week, very conservative, only went left to right. He's got lines going every which way. He's got lines connecting to... Tommy to Zussi back to Melia, which, you know, that's a pretty easy pass. Usually he's even got a line connecting to his buddy, Alan Polito there. They've become fast friends. Apparently, if you haven't listened, go check out the shades of blue soccer show. They do an inter. Oh, that's not right. Sporting Kansas city show actually did the interview with Robert Castellanos. Um, shades of blue got great interviews too, though. You should check them out. So good thing for him. He made some improvements there, even if he made a botch on the goal, but then, The thing I wanted to point out was the kind of cluster in the left center of the field. Eric Tommy, Daniel Shallowy, and Alan Polito, their dots are almost on top of each other. And they're both kind of center left. Like they're not dead on center. And Polito's pretty close to the middle. But they all want to play in the same space. And I'm kind of wondering if this is part of the problem. There's nobody like. Volitor's not a true left back, so he's not getting out wide. I mean, he's trying to get out wide, but he's not going to be like a Leibold or a Logan in Dembe making those overlapping runs and creating space out wide. So they're all kind of clustered on top of each other. And this is something different because Polito plays a little deeper in the field. So I'm not sure what the solution is, but it's their first game, obviously, with Polito just returning to start for the first time. That was something that really stood out to me is that they, they're not giving each other appropriate space to work and not you know making the proper movement out there. I don't know if that's something. I know tactics aren't really your thing, Sheena. Did you notice anything about that at all? I didn't, but I will say the one thing I did notice is that they, and maybe it's because so many people came in late into the preseason. And then like you have somebody like Rosero who just came in last week and started. And then you have Russell and Polito and and Kinda's and I feel like is getting close to returning. But it's like you have all these players who haven't really played together for very long. And so that's probably why you're seeing overlap and miscommunication is that they just don't have the experience that it, it reminds me of like kids soccer when the season first starts and you're on a new team and you're just getting the feel for you know who everybody is and how you're going to connect and play together and that's what it feels like it it feels very amateurish yeah i think that's fair so a couple other things and then i think we can get to the mailbag here one that we mentioned polito got his first start Russell went the entire game, if I'm remembering right. So that's a improvement there. Polito went about 65-ish minutes, I want to say. By the way, 
Diego Rubio should have totally gotten a yellow card for stomping on his foot slash ankle on that one play. Not even a foul called. Was pretty annoyed with Joe Dickerson, the referee. One of my least favorite. Well, I was going to say, I know he's one of your least favorite refs, but the call, like the lack of calls at times last night was driving me crazy because that should have been a card. I felt like there was like three opportunities where sporting players were taken down in the box and not saying all of those were fair to be PKs, but one of them could have been. Um, So I just feel like the officiating was sketch and I'm not using that as an excuse because, you know, you have to expect things aren't going to get called and you need to still play and win games. So I'm not blaming the refs for this loss. It was just a very frustrating And if I can see things need to be called, then clearly like it's an obvious call because I don't I when you're not at home, like I don't follow the game as well because I don't have you there to explain things. So that's funny. I like that. You need my my color commentary, right? My play play by play, too. I'm I'm doing both booth positions for you. Um, You know, I wasn't planning on sitting here and picking on the ref. It just came into my mind as I thought about Polito getting stomped on as he's a, you know, he's a superstar and he doesn't get protected like a superstar. He probably doesn't seem like a superstar because he's always hurt, never out there. But I think he is a superstar and hopefully we'll see more of that as he plays more. But speaking of Joe Dickerson, what I, I think he might be my least favorite referee. I used to say Baldomero Toledo was my least favorite referee, but I've moved on. Maybe Jair Marufo. I didn't like that guy either, but you know, none of these names mean anything to Sheena. She's got the puzzled look on her face. But I thought early in the game, there was a couple of times he played advantage on plays that could have absolutely been yellow cards. And it's fine. You should play advantage if sporting have an advantage. And, you know, he, he, he did the symbol where he puts his arms out, kind of showing, hey, you have the ball, keep keep going. I'm giving you the advantage. But then you can go back and give those yellow cards because they were attempts to stop like promising attacks. And he doesn't go back and give it. The foul doesn't show up in the numbers because play doesn't get stopped for it. So Colorado had drastically more fouls than sporting. And really, they had even more fouls because there was all those instances of playing advantage that don't show up. And then to your point, there was a couple of PK shots like uh, Polito got kind of blasted in the back on the edge of the box. I thought it was definitely a foul. I couldn't see because I didn't see a replay of it if he was in the box or not in the box. But if you're on the line, you're in. And then I don't know if you saw this one, Sheena. On the other end of the field, Willie Agata, he was getting pulled and is like falling down, but he keeps fighting through it. And if he just falls down with his jersey pulled that far away from his body, they probably give him the PK, which is kind of crap. You shouldn't have to fall down for it to be a PK. Um, Alan Chapman is the video assistant referee. He is one of the better referees, I would say, in the league. Um, but I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to interject himself into the game. And maybe that's what sporting needs, though. They just need a little bit of luck, get like kind of a soft PK call to go their way and have Polito or Russell shoot it instead of uh, Hagata and Tommy looking back on their PKs against Dallas. But yeah, a little bit of referee complaining. Well, I want to talk about something else. I'm done talking about the refs. I feel like, I, you know, when I saw the lineup, I was very hopeful. I was excited that Felipe Hernandez got the start. It's interesting. Roger never even came onto the field. But I kind of think it makes sense. Like Roger is there to kill off a game if you're ahead. He's not going to help you win a game. So I thought that tactically kind of made sense. What I what I didn't get is why take off Hernandez, who was like had a motor and was running like crazy. Tommy seems like he was running down and then they left Tommy in and maybe Tommy needs to go to the bench a little bit. You know, maybe Tommy needs to not get a start to know that it's not you're always going to be the starter if you're you're not making the right decisions. I, he, I think he's a good player and I think he's going to find his way, but 
you know, maybe it wouldn't hurt him to be starting the game out on the bench. At the beginning of the season, I was saying he was one of the best players on the field the first couple of games. And I just I'm not feeling that the last few games for sure. After you got home from the game last night, we were talking and I was telling you that, you know, one of the things is I haven't been impressed with Agata this season or Tommy. And I know people love them, but I think last year it was just so magical because they came in and they were immediately scoring. And we were talking about how like nobody on the other teams really had any, what am I trying to say, Chad? <laughs> like they had no footage to watch them. Yeah, there was no tape on them, yeah, right? So they no didn't know tape. what to expect. Yeah, so I think it made them better players because they're just, there was no experience in MLS that anyone could turn to to, to watch them and and learn um, their styles. And now there is, and I don't know if that's part of the problem is maybe they're just not as good as we thought last season, because now they have footage, the other teams to watch them play and learn their styles. And Tommy's just kind of all over the field. And we've talked about, so I don't want to rehash it, how we feel like he feels like he needs to do it all. And I think because he's doing that, he's making so many more errors and he just looks subpar at best like he doesn't look exceptional or even that great so yeah Yeah. I think you know maybe he does need to sit on the bench like I feel like what the team what Vermees needs to do is keep switching up the lineup and hopefully at some point something will click but if somebody isn't is it being more of a liability than helping the team, then they need to get off the bench. Like we got rid of Ben Sweat because he was more of a liability. Although I don't think that's how the team is swinging it, but I think we all know he was a liability. Shelton didn't play. He's a liability when he's on the field. So Tommy is also a liability. So he needs to, it would be smart if he took some time and came in later and maybe help him realize that like you can't play like crap and still get a start. Yeah, I think that's fair. And maybe if he's running at tired defenses, he has more of an impact. But I think you make a good point that there was no film on these guys. I do think they're making a special effort to kind of bang on and mark Agata. But now Agata's not the starter, so Polito's in there. That's a, a change of pace. You have two strikers that are bringing something different. So I think that's a plus that you have the option to go with one guy or the other, or maybe both guys. Maybe Polito starts in Tommy's spot. He likes to drop deep into the midfield anyways, and then Agata plays striker. I think that could be interesting. I'm not opposed to seeing it. There's got to be some more tinkering. Uh, But I want to go back to one tinkering thing you mentioned. I'm really glad Felipe Hernandez got the start. He didn't have as much of an impact on the game as I would have liked. Like He didn't have a ton of interceptions or tackles. He had that shot that was a pretty good shot that got deflected off that player's back. I don't remember who went out for a for a goal kick or a goal kick that should have been a corner kick, but I digress. And the thing I was wondering about Hernandez is why is he not taking the set pieces when he started the game? Like the free kicks, the corner kicks, the whatever. I'm okay with Russell taking the left-footed ones, but the right-footed ones, it was like a mix of I think Shallowy took a few and Tommy maybe took some, but like, why not Felipe Hernandez? He delivers a beautiful cross. He just places them so well. And I don't know if it's just because he's he's younger and he's not a superstar. You know, these other guys are the big stars and he I don't know if he doesn't speak up for himself or what or they've decided who takes them. I don't know if that's pre-planned by the coaching staff, but Felipe is damn good at them. And I would like to see more from Felipe. 
I didn't understand why Shalawi was taking corners. Like, I don't feel like we've seen that. I don't think he did particularly good. I would have preferred Felipe Hernandez. So I'm with you. Like, it's a missed opportunity. And maybe the outcomes could have been different. And maybe they were just trying something new and having Shalawi take them. And, and Shalawi's taken some before, but they've not been effective. Yeah. Yeah. If we know Felipe Hernandez can do it effectively, why would why wouldn't you want the best person to take set pieces? And if they're on the field, why wouldn't you have them take him? So right. I don't and know. then Tommy and Shallow are supposed to be goal scorers anyway. So wouldn't you want to put them in the box? Yeah. I'm okay with Russell doing it because he delivers a really good ball, even though he is a goal scorer too. But yeah, if it was up to me, Hernandez would be taking them all. But I'd be okay with Russell again with the left-footed ones, the ones that you prefer the left-footed player. One other kind of thing that I think is inexplicable and I don't really understand is Sporting Kansas City had 31 crosses. And I don't have the stat in front of me, but I saw a stat last year where it was something like if they cross the ball more than X number of times, like 20 times, I don't know what the number is, they lose. And They just keep crossing it. They're not very good at crossing. They're not very good at getting on the end of crosses. Why are you crossing the ball so much? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I actually asked Eric Tommy this after the game. We were in the locker room, and I kind of just, like, forgotten about it. And then when we got around to interviewing Tommy, because we kind of go from player to player, he was saying Colorado was packing the middle of the field, and they were playing a five-back, and then they were playing three midfielders in front of those back five and there just wasn't any room and then I looked at the stats and actually they did take more shots from the middle of the field than they did from the left or the right so it's kind of interesting that they still were able to get off more shots in the middle even with the pack box I think you got to mix it up I'm okay with some crosses you can't never cross you can't always cross there's got to be a balance but far too many crosses to nobody for my liking Same. And I think that's how mistakes are also made because they're crossing it. And sometimes there was nobody there and it went to a Colorado player. Right. Often Colorado would get to the first ball. And then for all the problems that Colorado as a team team has offensively, they are very fast. So if you cross it, then they pick it off and they clear it out to one of their wingers, then they can take off on you. And then it wasn't. It was actually a cross from Tommy that led to the counter that turned around and led to the Rubio goal. So not that that one cross was the problem. It's the accumulation of bad crosses. Sheena, anything else you want to do before the mailbag? Well, I was going to just say one last thing. I feel like, you know, Colorado was the worst team and now we are. And so I just, it's hard to imagine a scenario that we start winning games because we are dead last and we couldn't even beat the former last place team. So it's it's just feeling very bleak right now. It's hard to stay positive. Not that I need to be positive or you need to be positive because like I think where I get frustrated is I don't really see any passion from any of the players. And I don't know if like in those press conferences you go to after the game, if they're like pissed off or if they're just like so defeated sounding. But like I just feel like there's a lack of passion right now. On the field, I'm not seeing it. I don't know if we're... I mean, there was that one week that Johnny Russell had that really impactful speech or whatever, or press conference quote or whatever that you read. And he just looked after the game last night. And it, by the way, it sucked for him. It was his birthday yesterday. And like... Yeah. Happy birthday, Johnny. Yeah. What a tough loss for him. But he looked so defeated when they like panned in on him after the game. Like... I borderline was like, is he going to cry? Like he just seemed like they just all seem so defeated. And we as fans are so defeated as well. So if everybody 
who is on the field and is in the office and is a fan is defeated. Like, I don't, I just don't understand how this gets better because we kept hearing that when our starters get back on the field, they're going to be better. And I get that, you know, Polito just was, came on. He didn't even play a full game. Russell played his first game. We don't have Kinda back, but he isn't going to be a starter anyways. I mean, he might at this rate, but yeah, it's Tommy like, might not be starting by then. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, I think at this whole time, everybody was like, okay, once we get Polito and Russell back, things will start to improve. And I get that yesterday was their first game together playing both of them on the field together. But it wasn't like that it was magical or anything. Even if you take away the fact there was no goal scored, it wasn't like the the team suddenly looked significantly better. They looked better at the beginning of the game than they had all season. But then it's like the issues that we've been seeing all season slowly started creeping back in. Yeah, I don't really take much issue with anything you said there. The one thing I would say is the passion, maybe on the field. Yeah, maybe you're not seeing it on the field because they're just not playing good. But in the locker room, they're very upset. They're dejected. They're disappointed. And we've said it before. The Vermees and the players care more about losing than anybody. I mean, us as fans and podcasters and website runners, we're right there. We're, we're right neck and neck with them. But this is all they do every day, all day, every day. And I, Sheena, you know, I put way too much time into all the writing and the editing and the podcasting and the whatever. (laughs) And it bums me the hell out when they lose. And I obviously want them to win. It is way more fun to do this side hustle gig thing I got going on here when they're winning. But it's what they do every day for their living. They live and breathe this stuff. And I, I do think they care. I do think it's it's. You know, the season's obviously got a long way to go, so hopefully things will, will make a turn. But, but I, I don't think you're understanding. Like, I understand feeling dejected and sad and frustrated, but, like, is anybody, like, pissed off? Like, I'm trying to think of, like, memorable press conferences, and there's, like, one, like, football coach that I remember, and I don't even know who he is or what team, but, like, he slams his fist on – the table because he's just so pissed off and like that's the kind of passion I need to see is like I need fists at hitting things and pissed off for me is how he is on the game yelling at the refs like I need that in a press conference or something I don't know I just feel like everyone is so dejected and I get it and I get it's their life but like I need I need anger and I need to see it on the field too yeah I mean you see it sometimes when they make a bad play or make a bad decision like the whole thing we've been talking about where they're double when they're second guessing themselves. That's the word I was looking for. Oh my goodness. Uh, when they're second guessing themselves, you, you see another player go like I was wide open. Peter mentioned it. Like Russell was wide open a couple of times where the, they just don't make the pass or they do make the pass and it's too late or they take a shot and it gets blocked. So I think it's there. I think that you see it in practice. They're so passionate in practice and they're like yelling at each other and trying to lift each other up in the sense of like, Hey, you got, we got to make this play right. You know, or it's not going to work on game day sort of thing. But anyways, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll do your mailbag questions more for the glory KC after this. All right, we are back. Time for the mailbag. Like I said, I appreciate all y'all sending in your questions. There were way too many of them, so we're not going to be able to do them all. Uh, I'm actually going to go to the last question I have on the list first, Sheena, because this one came in last week, and it came in like 
as we were recording the podcast. So I feel bad that we left it out, but I think it still fits really well. This is from Alex Brown at Alex Brown KC. He says, what do you want this team's identity to be going forward? There just doesn't seem to be any part of the game that SKC can hang its hat and develop a mentality around thus far. In the past, it was hard-nosed defending and possession reigns supreme. What kind of team do you want to watch? And for me, I actually want to watch what they are trying to do. They are trying to play what I had say is attractive attacking soccer. Think back to before the season when we were saying they're going to score so many goals. <laughs> Everybody was like, you've got Tommy and Agata, plus you're going to add in Kenda and Polito. You know, you're, you're adding all this talent. We got to finally got a defensive midfielder. So that's going to help slow the goal, the, the, the goal scoring from the other team down. And we haven't seen our new signings. Basically, Rodoya's barely played. Leibold's barely played. They've been hurt. But Polito's now back. So that's a plus. But the goals haven't been there. I think what they want to do is play good soccer. There's a lot of teams in the league that play what I would call very ugly soccer. Kind of what Colorado played yesterday. They play very defensively stout. They play extra defenders. They sit in deep. They park the bus, so to speak. And then they look to hit you on the counter. They play long balls out to their wingers. And then they just hope that they'll catch you pushing too many players up the field, trying to do your tiki-taka quick passes and movement off the ball. and we're, they're not playing that because they're crossing the ball endlessly instead of making nice, insightful, give-and-go passes, running into the box, running at defenders. Russell tried to do it. He was rusty. It did not pull, come off for him. But I want to see what they're trying to do. But I guess if it's not working, maybe you've got to try to do something else. That said, I'm I'm still more patient than any of you would like to hear because, again, Russell's first start, Polito's first start, or Russell's second start, my apologies, for his first 90 minutes. Give it time. What about you, Sheena? What What do you want to see? What type of soccer? I just want to see passion in soccer. I'm not looking for... I want everyone to be good. I don't want it to be boring. There was times in that first half yesterday where I just tuned out and... I just I found it boring. There was nothing happening. It need like I like fast paced soccer and I don't like mistakes. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's what I'm looking for. And it's hard to remain patient when, you know, we haven't won a game and we're going on game eight this week or was yesterday game eight? No, this will be the eighth game this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're eight games in. There's no wins. I think it's totally fair that everyone is pissed off and impatient and the players should be too so i don't know it it'll be interesting it's just so funny that what we thought the beginning of this season at the beginning of the season what we thought the team was going to be and who they are like literally it's opposite i don't think if you know in preseason you said yeah we'd only have two goals in seven games and our defense is pretty you know solid nobody would have Somebody, everyone would have thought, you know, that's crazy. That's so, bananas, right? Yeah, take out, yeah. take out the Seattle game, and they they've got what three shutouts and you know a couple yeah. single goals. Dallas, I guess, scored twice, but yeah, yeah, I think I saw some stat that they're actually on pace to be have quite the defensive year, <laughs> like like it'd be one of their better seasons ever defensively, which is insane. That is uh, and crazy. Then <laughs> I did see across the league that goals were down pretty significantly through for the uh, through the first 7 weeks of the season. They said it's about half a goal a game, so that's, 
you know, that's a lot when you add up the fact that there's 14 games every week or give or take. I would take half a goal every game. Yeah. I mean, if they had half a goal a game, they'd have three and a half goals. So (laughs) that'd be better than the two they have right now. Yeah. Sporting are are Mm -hmm. responsible for all the goals that the league is down. No, it's half a goal on average across every single, every single team. All right. Next question. The overall average is down because they're just not. They're hurting it for sure. Yeah. They are not helping the cause, but there's other teams that are struggling to score Mm -hmm. too, but they, you know, people are winning games, unlike sporting. So next question comes from Ryan Gigas. Sorry, Ryan uh, at Ryan Gigas on Twitter. He is, what will it take for the club to force PV to choose between being the coach or being the technical director. I think his title is actually sporting director. Brian Bliss is the technical director, but it's a it's a formality. Basically, uh, to use a Bill Parcells quote, if you're going to make me uh, cook dinner, let me buy the groceries. And Peter Vermees is buying the groceries and cooking the dinner. And then he's like mad at the guy who bought him the groceries. But it was him. He bought the groceries. Uh, Brian Bliss does have some say in the matter. But I gut reaction here is... He's never going to choose. He's not going to give up any power. Uh, What is it? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. People who have power don't give it away. Now, somebody could take it away from him. They could decide, you know what? This is too much for one person to do and go get. Gosh, how good would it be to have like a Garth Loggerway? I know that name doesn't mean anything to you, but he helped RSL win a title. He helped Seattle win multiple titles. And he just came to Atlanta. And what you know, they're playing good all of a sudden too and he's their general manager so there is something to be said for a player like or a, uh, an executive like that having that role i don't see peter giving it up i think you you'd have to fire him or just say hey uh we'll let you stay on but that would require ownership to step in and do that and it does not feel like they would do that what do you think sheena i'm with you like i don't see a scenario they would make him pick unless he was getting fired and then they would need to find two new people so it sucks because it i do wonder like how much of the issues have we had the last few seasons are because he's doing both roles and i mean now it's like does he have the time to really focus in on both positions and I do think it's a problem. How long has he had both of the titles for both the positions? Almost the whole time. So he was he was the sporting director, maybe technically he was the technical director back then. And then they fired their coach and he was the interim coach. And then he became the permanent coach from there. So he's been the coach for, I don't know, a a long time. I can't think of the number off the top of my head. 14, 15 years. It's It's a long time. Okay. I thought maybe it was a newer thing that he's had both positions. I think one of the things I was seeing on Twitter last night that the problem people have with him and the organization is that the MLS league is growing and yet we feel like sporting feels like they're stuck from like a few years ago. And maybe I said it on a previous podcast, like they kind of need two different people in those positions because you need somebody to bounce ideas off of or somebody to keep you in check. Like really the only person Vermees has keeping him in check is the owners like he doesn't have somebody on his level necessarily and I think it is starting to catch up and create these problems but that all being said I don't think he's going to give up a title I think he either loses both titles and loses his job or things just kind of stay the same and not saying that's okay or that's fair or that's the best decision for the team but I just don't see a scenario anyone is going to make him pick. And I don't think you voluntarily give up one of those spots. Yeah, that's a good transition to another question we have, your answer that you gave there. 
Uh, we got a question from Brody Saber at Brody Saber. Apologies to all of you if I'm butchering your name. Sorry. I need pronunciation guides. Uh, Chad, it seems to me you've always justifiably supported Vermees through the bad runs of form the past couple of years. With the Vermees out, or fire Vermees, some people say, uh, movement growing week on week, where do you personally draw the line and say enough is enough? So since this one's directed at me, I guess I'll go first again. For me, looking at last year, I was saying, hey, if they have two bad seasons in a row, you, you got to fire him. Like, what what can you do? Like, if it's two in a row, it's not like they bounced back. You can't just blame it on injuries. Like, if eventually, eventually, you know, he's picking the players. So if he's mad that they're hurt, that's kind of on him to a certain extent, right? He's the one between him and, you know, Ryan Bliss has some state in the scouting and the tracking down of players and whatnot. But I think Vermees probably has final say on basically everything in this organization. So I would have said if he has another bad year, he goes through a whole year and he can't figure things out and can't get into this like nine team playoff system they have now, like you got to fire the guy, but they just gave him a five-year extension. So he has six more years, basically five and whatever's left of this year. And that just never made any sense to me. I'm okay with Peter. I like Peter, but make him prove it. He had just had a terrible year. Who earns a five-year extension off of a bad year where you missed the playoffs for the second time in, what was it, four seasons that he missed the playoffs, 19 and, and 22. So, yeah, it had two two decent runs in between. But it was a weird season in there with COVID and you know nonsense like that. So, Sheena, what do you think? What's it going to take to get Peter Vermees fired? I think another bad season. I think if, especially because almost every team gets into these playoffs, like if we don't make it into the playoffs, there needs to be a consequence and they need to consider moving on. The extension didn't really make sense to me either. I don't know if there's just such a good rapport between everybody that they just wanted to keep it going. But it's like, at what point do you start thinking about what's best for the team, what's best for the fans? Because ultimately, the fans are what's paying for all of this. I mean, paying for the players like if they're not coming to the games which I think is in an LA Galaxy a lot of their fans are boycotting this season because of a player or they don't like the uh, Chris Chris Klein their general manager yeah yeah so it's like is that what it takes is that now sporting fans have to revolt um if there's another bad season and Peter doesn't get fired so I think, you know, it's still early in the season, but each game that we don't win, to me, puts more of a target on his back that like he can't continue being the coach. And I I just think if you don't make it to the playoffs, like you don't have a coaching position going into 2024, at least you shouldn't. Yeah, you you wouldn't in most places, especially in a league where so many teams make the playoffs. And they it's yeah. not like they haven't spent some money and tried to get there. So there's another question we got that kind of ties into this. So I'm going to jump over to a portion of this question. This one's from Jordan at Jordan Elo, E-L-O, on Twitter. His first question is, since Jake Reed took control as the CEO, he's also the president, by the way, uh, the product on the field has decreased year after year. Does he own any of this current product? So... Reed is getting a lot of hate. Bliss is also getting a lot of hate. I think, I mean, everybody's getting a lot of hate. The team's terrible. It's it's brutal, right? Uh, but I don't know. I don't know how much the president slash CEO has an effect on the team itself. I do think that that's pretty much on Vermees and Bliss and the people around him. Maybe ownership takes some responsibility for that. There's been a lot of people saying that like the 
the stadium experience has gotten worse under Jake Reed. And the, ever since he's been in all this power that they've become kind of stagnant, he's kind of a, a stiff corporate suit and he's just worried about money. But I mean, that's, that's kind of what his job probably is. I, I don't know, you know, but the president and CEO is probably out there to make money. But if you don't win soccer matches, it does have an effect. I don't know that Reed has any sway or pull over Vermees. Maybe, maybe he's got the, the owner's ears, but I think it probably, for me, it more comes down to ownership has to be willing to pay for Vermees to go away. If it does turn to that, oh, this feels so weird. I'm like, everybody always gets on my back for defending Peter, but I'm going to defend him a little bit later. Don't worry, y'all. <laughs> Sheena? I guess, uh, why is it everybody has dual roles? Is it normal in a soccer organization to be the president and the CEO? I'm going to be honest with you. I really only pay attention to Kansas City soccer team, so I'm not 100% okay. sure. He did not used to be both. Um, he used to be, I want to say just the CEO or just the president. I can't remember which one, but Rob Heineman was the other one. He's one of the owners. You may have known Rob from like, he, he'd always tweet out about beer corner. They give away free beer uh, down in the cauldron and, you know, get people to come down and get to come to beer corner. I'm not a beer drinker. I'm just going to make everybody upset with me. You know, I'm, I'm so boring. I don't, I don't like beer, but I'll drink some alcohol with you. just not beer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the normal is, but I think that Rob was, was pretty engaged, but then Rob also has a hand in like signing Justin Mapp and terrible free agent signings like that too. I remember him being all in on that. So I don't know, but yeah, Heineman seems like a, seems like a cool guy. Interesting dude. Yeah. I just feel like Everybody needs to have one position in this organization. We don't need a president CEO. We don't need Peter Vermees having two people or two jobs. Like, and maybe that's the problem is it's a bigger issue because when you're having more than one role, something has to give. And so, yeah, I don't like that. I think it, the quality of the experience has gone down. Honestly, I was surprised that it looked like it was a sellout last night. I don't know if it was technically a sellout, but it looked pretty packed, at least from what I saw on TV. So I feel like each game, the the crowd is going to get smaller if we continue losing. And then like, is that what it's going to, again, is that what it's going to take for them to start reconsidering what they're doing? And I have to think that maybe it's not Jake Reed, but whoever is funding sporting, maybe it's, I guess, the owners. Ultimately, it's their response. Like, they have a responsibility in this, too. They're the ones who are agreeing to Peter Vermees signing these people. They're the ones paying for these players. So it's not like he, he has some... He, he has somebody he has to go through, I imagine, to make these deals. And I, I think he has a lot mean. of power, but you're right that the owners have some say. And this actually goes to another question we got. And we're kind of half answered this one already. Uh, this one from Alex Brown at Alex Brown Casey. Oh, Alex, I put you in here twice. Um, aside from the poor form of the team, what burden of responsibility does Sporting Club, that's going to be the owners, bear in the worrying trends of the club? The off hands ownership in the last five years have resulted in a stale atmosphere, low level fan engagement, as well as as less competitive on-field product. So I think when things are going wrong, you, you, you're looking for someone to blame. And obviously, this started off with back-to-back -back bad years, so that's not looking great. Um, I will say, I had a thought as I was reading this question and you were finishing your thought, is that Neil Patterson, who was one of the owners, he died and his wife died during the 2017 season. Remember, they painted the wall orange because in honor mm -hmm. of Neil, they won that Open Cup. 
and they had the Neil's name on their, I think it was on their jerseys and it was definitely on the field. Like they had a shield for him. And I was like, man, maybe was he more involved? I don't know. I know that I see Cliff Illig, uh, the other main owner at the games. He's always there. I see his wife when sporting used to win games, his wife would bring a glass of wine into Peter in the post game press conference, uh, but he doesn't get wine and they don't take shots unless they win. I don't know if I told you this. Roger said to Johnny on Twitter shots tonight, bro, uh, in honor of his birthday, because they take a shot when they win, but no shots. No tonight, shot. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does feel like, you know, that whole experience even I'm just thinking back to when we used to go, when we would visit, I remember it being like an electrifying experience. I'd go home on a high and granted, I still have fun at the games, but it does feel like something has changed just a little bit through the years. And, you know, the one thing is Patrick Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes, they're they're part owners in this. And I, I'm guessing it's probably a really small portion but it feels like if the team is struggling, you would somehow use Patrick Mahomes. Like he is the Kansas City golden child, can do no wrong. Like they need to get him in this more in some some light or something. I, I don't know. Fair enough. You know, one other thing I wanted to talk about that you mentioned and I didn't chime in on is you said it looked like it still may have been a sellout. I don't know if it's a sellout. I didn't see the official attendance. And to be fair, I could have asked the PR people and they'd have told me, but I forgot it did look busy, but I saw leading up to the game, they were running all kinds of ticket promotions. And I know this pisses off season ticket members, and rightfully so, that yeah. they're offering tickets to sit right next to you for less money than you paid to get your ticket package. And people are going to get fed up with that. I've read plenty of comments where people are like, we didn't renew our tickets. We're not renewing next year. We're, we're just going to wait and buy them you know, when we want to go, which I get that, right? Because there's going to be deals because they want to fill the stadium. But eventually... And maybe next game out that they have a home game against Montreal in a few weeks, uh, it's not going to be full because people are leaving early. People are getting upset. And I understand it. You you want your team to win. You want them to score some freaking goals. You want it to be attractive. And it, it's and just it's not, not been any of those things. It's not fun paying money to a game to see your team play horrible. Like, I, I would right. be pissed off too. That's honestly... There's been several times we've talked about buying season tickets, but since we've lived here, they haven't been playing great. So there's been no need to it's do it. It's our fault. Yet. That's all our it's fault. Not, y'all. No, it's not. <laughs> I have a it's lot of uh, influence uh, with my website. Clearly, it's uh, causing no. problems. No, I don't know. <laughs> oh, stop blaming us for their problems. We literally have nothing to do with it. It is. A it is the players for not being better. It's Peter Vermees for bringing in people when they were injured and not at full, like ready to play. It's there's a yeah. lot of issues. It's an, it's not your eyes. So stop. I know. <laughs> I know it's not really my fault. Uh, <laughs> you know, on Twitter, I get a lot of grief. Like it is somehow my fault. People like angrily tweet at me, and I was. It made me think about what it must be like to be like a famous or a person or a celebrity, like, cause I'm obviously not famous, but like yeah. to, to just have people just for illogical reasons, be mad at you. I'm like, y'all I'm, I'm mad too. Just cause I think the team could still be decent this year. could still turn things around. doesn't mean I'm not mad at seven games and no wins. That freaking sucks. I keep having to censor myself. I want to curse, but I'm trying to keep the explicit tag off this podcast. Um, so 
that leads to a good question. You mentioned the players. This will be our last question because, again, there's a bajillion of them, and I apologize. We couldn't get to them all. We'll do more mailbags later on. So this one's from John Burns at GoManUTD14 on Twitter. <laughs> he's, go, you know, Go Man United, and that's what he's saying. Oh, uh, he, okay. I didn't you know did, you didn't catch that? that? Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, you thought it was like Go Man? Go Man! Yeah, go man. Uh, Manche- Manchester United. Now, uh, okay. he said... Uh, why is there a failure to sign quality players? FC Cincinnati has Brenner and Acosta. Columbus has Zellerayon and Nagby. Nashville has Mukhtar and Zimmerman. So I don't think you're completely off base here. I do think Sporting have tried to sign good players, but maybe this is, I think there's a big crowd of people that are kind of deeper in the know that want Sporting to fire Brian Bliss, who is their technical director, who would technically be in charge of scouting and signing players, even though, Peter definitely has final say. I'm, I have no doubt about it in my mind. But they're trying to sign good players. They're missing sometimes. I think they're they're hitting a lot of times. But I, I kind of glossed over this point earlier. Peter signs guys that are injury prone. And is that because he gets a discount on them and therefore he he's attracted to those players? right? Because he he's notoriously said that ownership doesn't stop him from spending, that he won't overpay for a player. And maybe you have to be willing to overpay. Like MLS has billionaire owners where a lot of the other leagues in the world don't have billionaires. Maybe you got to pay a little more to attract, to bring someone to Kansas City. You know, the, the quote middle of nowhere is what probably the rest of the world thinks about sporting. I do think this team has good players. I, I can't put my head around why they can't get it going, but maybe it's just the yips. And when they get rid of the yips, the goals will start flooding in. But what, what do you think, Sheena? I feel like the issue is you're bringing in injury prone players or so. How about we stop looking at players who are good, but they're prone to injuries because yeah, Polito can be great, but for all his greatness, he's been injured half the time he's been here. So is he really that great if he's – I mean, honestly, yesterday I thought we were about to lose him again. He had that one hit, and he was on the the ground for a while. Like, it feels like every every little hit, every time he falls, I'm like, is this it? Is this – are we going to lose him again? So how about we pay a little bit more and we get players that we know are a little solid, and, like, I – I hate to say like, oh, I'm against like injury prone players because I'm not, but I'm sick and tired of it. Like uh, not Rosero, but um, Leibold. I mean, he came in and was basically injured in that first game. And then um, who's the other guy? I can't the, ga- the Galaxy Red- game Red- and the Nemanja Doya. Yeah. Yeah. Rodoya. So it's like, yeah, we got these two players that have some great potential, but if you're getting injured all the time, like I don't agree with that. I think we need to, something has to change. And if it, Peter Vermees is going to stay the coach, then he needs to start changing the way he finds players and stop looking for a good deal. Cause if the, the owners are willing to pay, then he should use their money up. Like, I don't know why we're not doing that. Like bring in healthy players, bring in young guys, build up your academy maybe a little bit better and you could just take from the academy. It's a it's a bigger issue. And talking about this is really starting to piss me off. Yeah, it's something where we need to give this one more time. This is probably a question that needs more time. I will say in a very boring roster rule sense, there is rules to how you can spend your money. And you can basically only spend unlimited money on 
two players. And the two players they decided to do that with were Alan Polito, who has obviously been hurt a lot, and then Gadi Kinda, because they spent a big transfer fee on him, which caused him to be a designated player. Everybody else on the roster are guys that you could have signed. Now, why are they available for free without having to pay a transfer fee? Maybe it's because they're injured, but you can't pay transfer fees for everybody. You got to catch guys when they're out of contract. And that's one thing about MLS that's a little weird because their season ends you know, in the winter versus a lot of seasons around the world end in the summer. So if a guy is staying out of contract, what what's that about, right? So you it's a it's a tough, more complicated issue, but obviously other teams are finding a way to do it without being injured all the time. So something is wrong in the scouting department. One one little thing I'll add too is a lot of these teams are being really ambitious with their U twenty two slots. Sporting could technically spend unlimited on a third designated player, but if they do that, then they can't sign three U twenty two players. Their U22 guys are Marinos, Johnny's, Robert Volitor, and uh, Logan and Dembe. And they didn't spend massively to get those guys. You can pay whatever you want in transfer fees, and then their salary just has to be 650000 or so or less. And they didn't spend big versus some of these clubs out here are spending $5, 6000000 million on one of these guys. And they're willing to play for less money on an annual salary because they're still young and haven't proven themselves yet. And that's what you're hoping to do is get those guys, have them prove themselves on your team, sell them on for millions and millions of dollars. Or if they do want to stick around, you raise them up to be a higher spot on your roster and they take up targeted allocation money spot or a designated player spot, something like that. So there are some inefficiencies being had by this. Uh, well, it just feels staff. like he's, it just feels like Vermees is being cheap because if you're not gonna, like, if you're not paying a lot for these U22 players when you could be, and you're bringing in Janis Marinos, who I like him, but like, again, he's not really wowing me. I like Robert you say his Voladere. name backwards. Every single Every time, time by the way. I don't yeah. care. But Robert Volader, he's growing on me. There, I see the potential in him. And then in Dembe, isn't he injured right now? He is, but he did return to practice last week. So hopefully we'll see it, him soon. So I just feel like you need to spend money, whether that's with the U22s, whether that's a designated player spot, wherever. Like Just spend your money and get quality players. And I think you can get people to move to Kansas City. And if they need me to create a PowerPoint presentation for these players, I am happy to do it because there's potential. And I'm, I'm sure just- amongst their hundreds and hundreds of full-time employees, somebody can make something nicer than a PowerPoint for them to pitch them on the city of <laughs> well, Kansas I'm City. I'm just saying, like, if that's the issue, like sign me up. I will work for them. I will put me on the board of tourism. I will sell it to people. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, we're, we're, I don't we're know. Kansas it's, City fans for sure. It, it's just so annoying that you think you can't get big stars because it's the middle of nowhere. Like that's that's a BS and I have to censor but myself I, I do now. think that's real. I do think there's no, there's some realness stupid. to that because I think people don't want to come to Kansas City. Now, if you can convince them and hopefully, you know, like there was a question here about like Ronaldo and apologies, we didn't get to it. It was something, Sheena, you had actually asked me earlier did that cause them to miss on some other signings this year. I still don't think so. But if I you do. could get somebody like that, it would bring attention to the team and kind of go, oh, if this guy's willing to play here. So Maybe they got to go sign one of those guys. Polito and Kinda are going to be out of contract at the end of the year. That opens up two true designated player spots they could spend infinitely. And frankly, unless Peter is just completely craps the bed for the rest of the season, 
he's probably going to be around to make those signings. So we'll see. I don't know. A lot to see. And we I'm, could go on forever. I know. I'm just going to say one last thing. I do not want to see Polito on the team next season. I don't want to see Kendall on the team next season. And maybe those words will come back to haunt me. But that's just how I feel right now. I'm sick of injured people, like no offense to all the injured people, but like, I want to see healthy people out on the field. And I think that's a big issue with the team. And that's why we suck right now is that there's been too many injuries, too many people recovering from injuries. And I'm just, I'm fed up with it. Like get some healthy people on the field. Fair enough. I will say if Kinda comes back, he probably wouldn't be a designated player because it's his transfer fee that's making him a DP. He has no history of injuries before this. Just kind of a, well, I don't know, maybe something's wrong in training that these people keep getting hurt because some of them are getting hurt here. It's not like they're showing up with injury history. So maybe they... Maybe where they're practicing so amazing, they're practicing too hard and they're hurting each other. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, Poli- we should Polito, start looking at the training trainers. Maybe the trainers are the issue. Yeah. Well, know. the coaching staff runs training too. So it's like they're running, choosing the drills that are causing some of this stuff to happen. They could not have all the contact that they have. Anyways, uh, I said I would do a little defense at the end. There's like a million other questions. Apologies, we didn't get them all to, to them all. We might we do a do podcast later on... the week. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, do I don't know if I even feel it. up for it. We've gone super long today. And I think, you know, it's rightfully so. It's easy to be ranty when you're angry and things aren't going well. But I want to end with this. This was Polito's first start. Russell's second start. His first time playing with Polito all year. I remember they swapped spots. They, well, they didn't same spot, but they came off when the other one came on in the, the previous game against Philly. Sporting are still remarkably only four points out of the playoffs. That's kind of crazy, right? They're so bad. They're in last place and they're only four points out of the last playoff spot. That's it. If I can't score any goals, it's not going to matter. So they got to start to figure it out. Their upcoming games this weekend, they're back on the road against the San Jose Earthquakes. Then they will take on the New England Revolution the weekend after that. Midweek, they have a U.S. Open Cup game. More on that in a second. And then... Oh, I'm sorry. I might have these dates wrong. And then they have uh, CF Montreal uh, the following weekend. Yeah, I just typed them in here wrong, but I didn't say them too, so it doesn't mean anything. Uh, so that that CF Montreal game, that'll be uh, their 10th game of the season when that one rolls around, of the regular season, and only their fourth home game. It's kind of wild. Three of their first nine games were at home, and obviously they have not taken advantage having lost two of those three games. So that really sucks. But let's switch gears. Let's talk about the U.S. Open Cup. The draw happened this past week. Uh, Sporting will play on the 25th of April. It's a midweek game. It's included in your season ticket package if you're a season ticket holder. And if you're not, you're probably not going to pay for it (laughs) because why would you? But here, let me me sell you on it. I'll be a shill for the team here since people on Twitter were attacking me saying, I'm a shill and I just defend everything they do. God forbid I don't have the exact same opinion that you have on every single thing. Uh, They're going to be playing a team called the Tulsa Athletic. If you've never heard of them, there's a reason. They are an amateur team. Their field, you should Google it, it's like a like a rec field. Like I'm pretty sure my daughter's club games are on a nicer field than they're playing their games on. So that said, they've advanced in the U.S. Open Cup to the third round. Kudos to Tulsa Athletic. And if Sporting can't score goals on the Tulsa Athletic, then, I mean, that might be the last round. You might fire Peter midweek and blow the whole thing up because that would be so embarrassing. Well, I'm already going to call that they're going to lose. Like, no, Sheena. Yeah, going forward. <laughs> I, I can't they predict win, wins. I'm calling, yeah, and going forward until yeah. they can prove they win, they are losing everything by my calculations. So I wouldn't be surprised if they lose this. I wouldn't be surprised if they can't score a goal. And they're 
obviously playing at home. So I, I bet some fans from Tulsa will come up. It's not that far of a drive. And I mean, that's pretty exciting if you're a fan of this Tulsa team. All right, y'all. Time for the digital crawl, y'all. Let's get into it here. we got a couple quick news items, and then we're going to get you out of here. We've gone super long. We apologize. We were angry. I don't know. We may or may not do a podcast that comes out on Thursday. It seems it will depend if Sheena can talk me into it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm depressed about it. it. Okay. Oh, you know, I don't feel like you are. Like, I mean, I know you are, but the way you sound, I feel like I sound more angered than you are. Yeah, but I'm sad on the inside. I'm just, I'm a chipper person. I'm a chipper person. You know, I've had this pain in my neck all day. This is how we're starting the digital crawl, not doing the news. Uh, and I was wondering, am I having pain in my neck? Because sporting or losing and like all the stress of people like attacking me on Twitter. I say F all the haters on Twitter. Uh, I'm trying my best over here, y'all. You know, I have a real job, right? This is just for fun. And it's sure not fun when you call me mean names on Twitter. I just mean I, then, then I don't see your tweets. I don't see your tweets anymore. Yeah, go ahead. To the people who are being rude to my husband, first of all, it's a really <laughs> Thanks, like, no, I th- first of all, it's ridiculous. Like, it takes a lot of time and energy for what Chad does going to the games, interviewing players, interviewing the coach. and. I don't go to that stuff because I know I wouldn't be able to ask the question. So if you are as passionate as Chad is, then you can always write for the KC Soccer Journal. You could probably get media credentials and go ask the questions you think everyone is too afraid to ask. I think what you would see, and granted, I haven't been in those like press conferences, but Chad tells me about them. And people do ask the questions, but sometimes it's just not worth it to ask like what makes seem like a really simple question and what the answer is, because you're not going to get necessarily the answer you want to hear, or they may just beat around the bush. And I think the people who go to those press conferences on the regular know what they can and can't ask. And not that like they can't ask it, but they know they're not going to get like a legit answer or get the answer that like the fans want to hear. Right. Or am I just talking to talk? Yeah. Like, no, I think I think you're on the right path because a lot of the people like this one person responded to me. and I said, what questions would you like me to ask? And then he listed three questions. And basically we've asked those and maybe not those exact words, right? You do want to be artful. You don't want to be insulting. Like if you are yeah. a jerk, you're going to get a jerk response. So it's, it's a game almost of like trying, how do I ask this question to actually get an answer? Or Peter's just not pissed and gives a, a short two word answer. Right. And then you try to ask for a rebuttal and you get a short answer. It's like, you want to try to get him to talk. And some of the questions, you know, the answer because we've asked some variation on it before. And you know, you re-ask when things aren't going well, but I don't know. I mean, again, yeah, I agree with Sheena, you're welcome to try to uh, submit a sample writing to me. You can find my email on the KC Soccer on KCSoccerJournal.com. Uh, I look. I have a guy that's writing a kind of a guest post for me that I was just talking to online today. So I dedicate a lot of time to it. I make zero dollars from it. Oh, actually, we do have ads in this podcast now. We may have made like twelve dollars or something. Sheena, okay. it's like legit. But, you know, no, but this is the thing: is that everybody who's in those those conferences and who are interviewing people from Chad Smith to Daniel Sperry to Thad Bell to everybody like they're all nobody is full time everybody is doing it maybe some are getting paid but not very much probably because it's not a full time gig so I think like be a little more graceful there 
at least that they're going in there and asking the questions because there is no full-time person dedicated to talking and getting paid a full-time salary about soccer. So it, it takes a lot. And I understand the frustration everyone has. But if you think you could ask the questions better, again, you're more than welcome to try to get the media credentials and go do it yourself. And maybe you will be better at it. And maybe you will get the answer that you want. Fair enough. I wish I had done some training and had some background in this. Ironically, Sheena has a degree in journalism. We got to get her in the room. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure you want to ask. <laughs> no, absolutely all right, not. All right. I, I will vent my frustrations. I will cheer the team on, but I do not want to be a media person. There's a reason I don't use my degree. All right. For real this time, it's time for the digital <laughs> crawl, y'all. We'll put that as the timestamp on there. So a couple quick news <laughs> items and we'll get you out of here. Uh, NWSL expansion. San Francisco was officially granted an expansion team. I forgot to look this up, but I want to say they have like a 50 some million dollar expansion fee compared to like just a few million for the team before them. So, wow, NWSL, the fees are flying up. And the people that are investing said it was a deal to get it for the amount they paid. So uh, NWSL, way to go. Speaking of women's soccer, last weekend, the Kansas City Current, when they played the Portland Tim, oh, that's not right. They played the Portland Thorns. That was on CBS and 475,000 people tuned in. That was a new record. A new record in a game that, frankly, wasn't close for much of the first no. half and then the last part of the second half. You know, Casey made it close to start the second half off there for like 30 minutes or so, but it was pretty rough for a while. So congratulations to the current and to the Thorns, and hopefully that's a sign of good things to come. They crushed MLS that weekend in their nationally televised games. Uh, oh, well, that's interesting. I wonder if they crush it because it was on CBS and MLS. You have to have Apple. Oh, no, no. So uh, MLS has some games that are on Fox Sports 1 and I want to say Univision, oh. and it beat the FS1 ratings. That said, to your point, a lot of people can watch the exact same game on Apple MLS Season Pass, so they may have just watched on Season Pass, which probably skews the numbers. But MLS does not historically have very good ratings on national television, so I think mm -hmm. it, that number probably beats them in most instances, <laughs> unless it's a big playoff game or MLS Cup or something like that. So women's soccer, way to go, ladies. Speaking of women's soccer, the Kansas City Current Stadium went vertical this past week. We actually just drove by it today. Looking great. Got some steel yeah. beams in, so hey... 2024, get your season tickets. There's not as many seats available in that stadium, and it might be a bit harder to get in there than it's going to be to get into Children's Mercy Park with uh, sporting playing like hot garbage. Well, hopefully they start playing better too. I hope so. Gosh, it makes yeah. this job <laughs> way more enjoyable. All right. Speaking of women's soccer, the U.S. women's national team beat Ireland 2 to nothing the other day. Maybe not the most convincing win in the world, but Julie Ertz formerly Julie Johnson from Arizona, where we used to hang out. Uh, she made her return after a huge absence, three-year absence from the team. She had a baby and yeah. you know, different things going on there. And then bad news, though, in that game, Mallory Swanson, formerly Mallory Pugh, she, uh, I think she had a patella tear, patella, knee injury of some sort. She was stretchered off and went to the hospital. And that is a huge blow to the U.S. Women's National Team ahead of this World Cup this summer. On a slightly selfish note, I never want anybody to be hurt, but sporting, sporting, I'm sorry, the Casey Current play the Chicago Red Stars, who Swanson plays for. So that should make that opponent a little bit easier, but I would much rather play against Swanson and have her on the women's national team. So yeah, for sure. Quick, hopefully a quick recovery for Mallory. I don't know how long that coronary injury keeps you out. I hadn't seen an update. 
Uh, but the U.S. women do play again on Tuesdays. If you're listening to this early enough in the week, they're going to be in St. Louis. You could make a road trip across the state and go check them out. They'll be playing Ireland again. And then it's World Cup time, y'all. They'll be coming this summer. And speaking of women's soccer, this is a women's soccer special in the digital crawl this week. Uh, The U.S. youth national team girls, the U16 girls, they beat France three to nothing the other day overseas. So thought that was pretty cool way to go, ladies and girls. Yeah. We have a running we have a running joke in my household. My daughter just started club soccer. Well, let's make this podcast about us. That's what we do, right? And she's like, I don't know, six games or something in. And, you know, she's getting better. She's working on it. But we always joke like she's going to be on the women's national team one day. And like we know that statistically that's incredibly unlikely, especially with the athletic gifts that Sheen and I have bestowed upon our daughter, genetically speaking. <laughs> or lack of gifts but i i have to always help her with like her tying her shoes and her shin guards because she has (laughs) such a hard time and i was like am i going to be in the locker room for like women's national team games helping you put your cleats on so uh, i say it like jokingly to her and she's like maybe (laughs) like that's not allowed like you like you'll have had to have played you know a lot more soccer college soccer probably you know on and on uh they're not gonna let me in there it's not happening child weird (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. I say it as a joke, but yeah, it'll be even creepier because I'd be much, much older by that time, too. I'm already too old. Those players are very, very young. So, And there wouldn't be a scenario she would let me tie her shoes. It has to it's be so you. true. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. Well, I'm just I'm just good at everything, you know. <laughs> so, oh boy. Or at least that's what she thinks. That's what she thinks. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, p- little girls, their their dad is often like an important figure in their life. So I'm I'm you know I trying to be a, a good role model for. Her. <laughs> oh yeah, fair enough. We'll, we'll bring him into this. All right. If y'all have made it this far, which is literally probably the longest podcast we've ever done in history we love you that's amazing thank you for sticking around uh <laughs> sorry you. that i'm ending by being happy even though i should be sad don't worry i'm i'm crying inside it's not going great yeah. but uh be sure to subscribe to the podcast tell all your kansas city soccer friends come commiserate with us on for the glory kc just search for the glory kc wherever you get the good podcast stole that from pablo tori thanks pablo uh if you enjoy the show be sure to give it a five star rating and review on spotify or apple Podcasts. you can follow us on all the social media platforms at for the glory kc on facebook instagram twitter email us for the glory kc at gmail.com you can follow me on on Twitter at play for 90. Sheena only tweets from our Twitter account. So don't worry about her personal account. She sometimes messes up and tweets from it, but she doesn't really tweet about soccer. Anyways, here's Christian Leo with ride it. Like you mean it. Take care everybody. Bye.